So I'm just back from vacation, as many of you are aware. I, I spent several days at Ocean Isle, North Carolina with, with Benita and with my daughter and son-in-law and my son and grandson at the beach. We celebrated a three-year-old birthday. I should probably interject here. Please pray for my daughter and son-in-law. They have a very oppositional three-year-old. <laughs> the weather was beautiful. The beach is one of my favorite spots for a relaxing vacation. I love early morning walks, even caught a couple of sunrises. I love the time I spend with my family. And as a bonus, before uh, we went to the beach, I got to spend a couple of hours with my 90-year-old mom. And that was a blessing, too. And, and you know, this is, this is one of those moments I rate as one of the good things in life. Our text today is a story, a parable Jesus told about two men. One of these had the opportunity to enjoy the good things in life without limit. And another one had no opportunity to do this. The one who suffered in the extreme was given a name, Lazarus. No family or friends are mentioned for Lazarus. He laid in the road covered in sores, only the dogs bothering to show him any attention. The other one we know only by his financial status. He was rich. He dressed in the nicest of clothes. He ate great meals every single day. And every day this rich man passed by Lazarus, who lived literally on the rich man's doorstep. Each day as the rich man traveled to check his business interests or attend his parties, he practically had to step over Lazarus. Lazarus hoped only for scraps. Lazarus suffered more than most of even the poorest of Jesus' time. Then the story Jesus is telling shifts to after both men have died. Lazarus now enjoys comfort and peace while the rich man suffers. Part of the reason a belief in the resurrection or an afterlife had taken root in Jewish thought during the time of Jesus was a desire to see the scales of justice balanced. Many suffered greatly in the world. People wanted to believe there was something that was going to happen that, that would balance the scales. The greedy were going to get their comeuppance. And the oppressed were finally going to get a reward. They were going to get justice. We do need to take note and make a comment about, I think, the rich man's status, his financial condition. It's interesting that nowhere in the parable does Jesus condemn this man for being wealthy. He was probably seen as a decent human being, someone to be looked up to by most. 
He's actually portrayed in the story of having some amount of caring for his family, not wanting his brothers to suffer his fate. The judgment that comes is not directly tied to this man's wealth. You know, and in telling this story, and so many of the stories that Jesus tells, he's seeking to do far more than just tell people, don't worry, there's going to be justice eventually. Jesus tells us these stories, these parables, to motivate a change in attitude and a behavior for all of us in this current life. His invitation to follow him is not just an invitation to a better future, pie in the sky, but a better present for everyone. Jesus is calling for a present where the Lazaruses of the world are noticed. Jesus is calling for a present where we will all learn to share the good things that we have received in life. We're very quick when we encounter these kinds of folks, this rich man, in Jesus' story to say, well, I'm not that rich man. I'm not rich like him. We protest because we don't want to think that we, like him, might ignore the suffering of others. We protest because we don't really want to consider the possibility of judgment in this life or the next. We protest because we don't want to be challenged when it comes to questions about how we use our money or how we make lifestyle choices. Jesus, in his preaching, Paul in his writing, the New Testament church in its practices leaves us with a clear message about what we are to do with the blessings God has given us. The blessings we enjoy are thanks to providence. God never discounts our hard work. That's not the point of that. But we should really acknowledge that hard work alone does not guarantee financial or social success. Children of Calvin, and that's all of us as Presbyterians, no matter what kind of disagreement we may have with Calvin on some of what he said, we must never forget that God moves actively in our lives to send blessings our way. Yes, the examples that we find over and over in the New Testament are that all the blessings given by God are for us to share. Greed, hoarding, tight-fisted holding of what we have is sin, and it is deadly. And whenever we hear that voice, and we've all heard it, we've all heard it, that voice says, This is mine. It belongs to me, not to anyone else. It's just for me, or or maybe for me and my family. We need to take care. For we, like the rich man, may be saying that as we walk by a Lazarus. Remember, during your lifetime, you received your good things. Luke 16, 25, 
There's certainly an element of warning there, but it's much more than a warning. It's an invitation to share what we have, to witness to the miracles of healing and hope and deliverance that God does when we take the good things that we've been given in life and share it with others. There are plenty of Lazaruses in our world, suffering in their own worldly hell. But through our sharing of the good things, God can bring them peace and healing in this world. And the church is one of the important places that God makes that happen. The church is one place we can share the good things we have received. And the church, when it's at its best, uses all that treasure and talent and time the members bring to bless others. Consider just a few ways that we're able to do that here, to touch lives, to bring healing and comfort. Our worship features wonderful music week after week. It inspires, it comforts, it stirs our hearts. Deep emotions are often freed through music. And through those depths, God helps us who grieve, helps us when we need peace, helps us when we need strength and courage to face challenges. God's word is read and proclaimed in this place. Now, you know something? It's interesting, and I'll be the first to acknowledge that. Sermons aren't necessarily something you remember a long time after they're preached. I've spent practically my whole life in church. And there's only maybe a handful of sermons that stand out in my memory that I've heard other people preach. But week after week, because of the reading of Scripture and the preaching in all the wonderful varieties I have been blessed to hear, I know God planted seeds. And today, much of the spiritual life that blooms in my life is a product of those countless seeds. And I know the Spirit nurtured those to open my eyes to some of the Lazaruses I have encountered. I'm sure that's happened to every single one of us. We spend time around tables eating and drinking together. Breaking bread with one another breaks our hearts open in special and unique ways. Sometimes people will say, you know, well, it's all small talk. If you listen carefully to the small talk that happens at places like Sip and Chat, you'll learn a lot about another person. The simple act of interacting with another human increases our happiness, brings joy, makes us healthier. And plenty of people who are feeling like Lazarus will show up to a congregational meal or a sip and chat. And that person that stops and takes the time to sit down and talk and listen is doing an incredible world of good. We open the Bible together in adult and children's Sunday school classes, in parent groups, in youth group, in deacons and elders meetings, in our own homes helped by resources like the Lenten and Advent readers. 
In those moments, the Spirit moves through God's Word to find those neglected spaces in our own lives to heal our own broken Lazarus spirits. Our facility is used for many types of ministry. Community groups meet here more than a few of those seeking to share the blessings of life with the Lazaruses who are in our community. NAMI, an organization that seeks to help folks with mental health challenges, is here every Friday. AA is here several times a week. The Girl Scouts meet here Thursday nights teaching young women they are valued and how they can value others. GOPAX started here, has grown up, and is now contributing to our church's budget expense. And of course, GOPAX shares the good things in life with hungry students who are overlooked. It starts with quality food for the weekends, but it goes beyond that. Introducing students to fresh vegetables and fruits, cooking classes for students and adults, classes that help families break through the barriers that keep families trapped in poverty. Go to the open house today to learn more about all the good they're doing. We have a dynamic and growing children and youth ministry here, and it spans all age ranges. We have high-quality care for our youngest, dedicated Sunday school teachers who are teaching our children about Jesus and the church, an active junior church program. I know Wade did it uh, did it the first uh, Sunday, I think, of October and enjoyed it so much he came to Brad and said, can I do it the whole month? And Brad said, sure. So if you want to get out of sermons for a month... <laughs> Um, we've got middle school and high school groups that meet regularly. And we have special fun events about once a month that draw all our children together, help their families enjoy fellowship together. And a wonderful indication of the quality of our program is we're drawing young people from a wide variety of faith positions and traditions. There are some kids showing up who go to other churches where they aren't blessed to have a youth program, and they feel welcome. Um, even the skeptics among them. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Our confirmation class this year include four committed students, and we will likely be forming another class in the spring of next year with another set of budding young disciples. We also have Scholars on Fourth. That's our tutoring program for fourth and fifth graders. This isn't a high-cost program. It's supported by the Harry Barango Fund as well as money from mission endowments and the volunteers are what make a big difference in that program. But we've got to remember, without a quality facility where we spend money to keep the building clean, the lights on, the heat running, everything in good repair, we couldn't have that program. And just listen to some of the things that wouldn't be happening if we didn't have a facility to support that. Without that scholars program, we wouldn't have students and their families and tutors encountering one another around town and sharing hugs. The students wouldn't get to witness John Lee's amazing science experiments. We wouldn't have had a student who Jenny Buzzard taught how to knit in addition to tutoring her. We wouldn't have had a case where a family stayed in touch with us even as they were fractured and went through horrible times 
and now is on the road to recovery and reuniting. We wouldn't have those weeks where students come to their tutors and share tough stories about what's going on at home because they know this is a safe place. We wouldn't have our middle school students, our tutoring graduates, coming back for fellowship and connection and bringing their friends along. That's a blessing we have because we have this facility that the generous people here have taken care of. You know, as we enter this time of stewardship emphasis, we need to take the time to consider all the good things in life that God has given us. We need to pray each day for God to open our eyes and our hearts to the needs of the world. We need to remember that generous and sacrificial sharing of the good things in life is life-saving for us. We need to take steps forward in our giving, you know, increase the pledge, increase the percentage of giving you set aside from your income. We need to adjust our lifestyles to share the good things with the church and with others. This kind of commitment will save us from the deadly clutches of greed. This kind of commitment saves others, saves the Lazaruses of the world, saves them physically and emotionally and spiritually. This generous sharing of the good things in life make possible incredible ministries that abound in this place. This giving that we are invited to do as stewards of what God has given us brings healing and hope to those who are suffering right at our doorsteps. Amen.